0: And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mine. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode, we have another story of a mom who experienced postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and postpartum OCD symptoms, as well as some rage symptoms. And a lot of us who've been through this have experienced one or a combination of all of these, if not all of them, in our own journey. And specifically for us who are mental health providers and clinicians, it's really hard when we are dealing with things on our own that we can't necessarily recognize, even as a mental health provider. I have that experience, and Rosalinda had that experience as well. Postpartum depression and anxiety can really take you by surprise, even if you know what to look out for, and especially if you're not sure what's going on. Rosalinda is sharing her story with us today. She's a licensed clinical social worker. She received her bachelor's in social work from West Texas A&M University in 2006, then master's degree from Baylor University School of Social Work in 2008. She has spent the last 12 years working as a mental health and suicide prevention social worker for the Department of Veteran Affairs. In her experience, she became aware of the lack of support for new mothers who are struggling with mental health. She created a postpartum support group for mothers in her community, and that has been running since 2017. She's also started a virtual postpartum support group within the VA for female veterans. She is here today to share her story and to share her message than wanting to know that anyone who's experiencing this is not alone and it is not their fault and that they can go through this struggle and come out stronger with the right type of support and treatment So let's meet Rosalinda and hear her story uh, welcome Rosalinda thank you so much for being here Thanks for having me um always grateful for people who are coming on to share their personal experience cuz it's so even though we might be all going through something similar there's so many factors that go into each person's story that make it unique for them and um so i think it's important to hear all aspects as much as possible so let's go ahead and start with your story wherever you'd like to okay so
1: my story begins. I guess it was seven years ago. A little prior to that. So I a little background. I've I've been working in mental health for twelve years. And so prior to my pregnancy with my daughter, I was working in a mental health clinic and uh, working with patients. You know, dealing with depression, anxiety, PTSD, all of those things. But I hadn't had a lot of experience with patients or or anyone with uh, postpartum depression. So. I got pregnant with my daughter. She was due in August of 2015. So I think late 2014 is when we found out. And yeah. I had really wonderful pregnancy. Really couldn't complain. I didn't have any any issues with my mental health during that time, other than I think the normal worry and a little bit of anxiety mm-hmm. with being a first-time mom. It was my first pregnancy, first-time mom. Right. So that went wonderful. My husband has two older children. And so he's kind of been through the process before, but all of it was brand new to me. So once I had my daughter, you know, then came the, the changes with the hormones and the breastfeeding and, and all of this. And mm-hmm. it was difficult. Of course, she had colic. Mm-hmm. So that's around two weeks. And we had some breastfeeding difficulty as well. So there was already a little bit of added stress, I believe. We did come to find out that she had a dairy intolerance, um, oh. an aflex. How did so- you find that out? We just kept um, going to the doctor because of her colic, you know, her, she would just cry and cry and scream for hours and hours mm. and nothing could soothe her. When she was nursing, she was happy, but other than that, she was crying. And so, you know, I didn't know what was normal and what wasn't with a first baby, but my right. husband, I don't think that's normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. My two boys were, you know, screaming this much. And so, he would go with me and we'd ask, and we ended up just doing a simple stool sample from her, which oh, okay. is it's a really easy indicator to find out for the milk um, protein allergies, what it mm-hmm. was. And mm-hmm. so we found that out pretty early on. So I became dairy free for about 10 months. And that helped a little bit. We also started chiropractic care when mm-hmm. she was six weeks old, because I've heard that that helps for digestive issues. And even though colic has a name and a diagnosis, there really isn't a a set set of symptoms and there's right. no treatment. So right. at that point we were just trying anything we could to soothe her, to right. make her happy, to, you know, <laughs> anything that would improve. And so we saw a little bit of improvement with that, but it still took a while. She was dairy free for 10 months. And I think her colic started going away around four months. And by five months, she was pretty happy.
0: Oh, so
1: that initial first, you know, four months was pretty
0: rough for all yeah. of us. Yeah. That's a long time when there's a, a baby crying a lot.
1: It is. And, you know, we kept telling the pediatrician, there's something wrong. She's uncomfortable. She's crying. Like, mm-hmm. And she would say, I promise, I promise it's colic. If you give it time, like it should go away. It'll get better. You know, my husband was pushing for like, let's go see the like a pediatric gastro doctor because Mm. something is not right. And she said, you know, let's wait a few months. If she doesn't outgrow it, then we'll we'll get to the specialist. We'll do more tests. We'll figure it out. But she was convinced, you know, it's colic. She It will with time, it'll get better. If it doesn't, then we'll move on to find what else is wrong.
0: This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP? was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains.
1: So thankfully with the things that we did try, I mean, it was manageable <laughs> for those four months, but it was hard emotionally and mentally on all of us. So sure. I think that was a big factor that I didn't see coming as a first time mom. And I was able to breastfeed and nurse her for 22 months. So we got, you know, we got past the struggle, but initially mm-hmm. it was a struggle with the the dairy issue, you know, and even latching issues mm-hmm. and that thing. And so that was another added stress that I didn't know what to expect or what was right. normal. Right. Right. So getting through that as well. I took 10 weeks off of work. So I was at home with her for the weeks. My husband went back to work, I think after a week and a half. So, but by week two, her colleague was full set and it was every day yeah. kind of crying and stress. So initially, you know, I started off as just being very tearful and crying a lot. And I wasn't sure what was hormones and what wasn't. She would cry and I would cry. And my husband, I think, felt just lost. He didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do to help either of us. Yeah. And I just chalked it up to hormones, you know, the postpartum period, the baby blues. I remember leaving the hospital. Labor and delivery went, you know, really well, no complications. But I remember being. Um, The only question being asked before I left the hospital was, are you having any suicidal thoughts or are you having any thoughts of wanting to harm your baby? Um, And that was a no. And I want to say when I went back, you know, after the six weeks, I remember going and seeing my provider was out on a delivery. So I saw a nurse practitioner Mm -hmm. and she asked how things were going. And I kind of was just like, well, it's okay," but my baby has colic. And she was like, oh, my goodness, bless your heart. She said, I'm going to give you a hug. And she gave me a hug. Um, I don't remember being asked or screened or questioned about any of my mental health, my emotional health or anything that was most physically checking up on me. But I remember the just like the sense of relief or something I felt when she asked me. She gave me that little hug and she left the room and I just cried. And I thought, gosh, this really has been hard for her to acknowledge that for me. So even at six weeks, you know, I still didn't realize that I was dealing with postpartum depression. Just a higher needs baby was stressful. And I think yeah. people were acknowledging that struggle for me, but it wasn't really until I went back to work that I figured things, it was something more. I continued with her crying and feeling emotional and very, almost like I just couldn't control my emotions very well. I had a mm-hmm. lot of, had a lot of worry and I knew being a, a new mom worrying is normal, but I'd never really experienced anxiety until uh-huh. I had a baby right and so it was that every time i would leave her i would feel that anxiety and mm-hmm. having back to work really triggered a lot of that i think yeah so i started to recognize you know I, i'm a mess i can't juggle this i'm i'm overwhelmed and i had a really close friend who had a baby 7 weeks prior to me i also had another close friend that had a baby 2 weeks prior and so oh, wow. One of them was having her baby had reflux um, mm-hmm. she was having a little bit of depression as well. And so I remember talking to her and telling her when I went back to work, like, I'm here in my office and I can't stop crying. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with me. And she was the first one that suggested, you know, maybe you should maybe you should call your primary care doctor. Making a win, go talk to them. And so that day I did and I got in, it was a Friday afternoon. And I remember going to go pick up my daughter and I told my mom, you know, I was crying and I said, I I think I have postpartum depression. And she said, well, typically that those people don't develop bonds with their baby or they have thoughts of wanting to hurt their baby. (laughs) Okay. And that's kind of all I had heard of postpartum depression as well. Sure. You know,
0: yeah. You're, yeah. You
1: either want to hurt your baby or you don't form that bond. And for me, it was quite the opposite. I was like overly attached. I had that anxiety and being away from her was just really super anxiety ridden for me and very hard. And so I thought, well, maybe she's right. I don't know. But I went to the doctor that day and I ended up just doing a simple depression screening that, mm-hmm. you know, a little piece of uh, paper, maybe a dozen questions. And I was crying through the whole thing because I'm like, yes, 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 this is me. What was hard about that, though, is that I, working in mental health, being a therapist, I do those screenings with patients day in, day out. And so I know what depression looks like for other people and anxiety, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I saw that paper in front of my face that I realized, oh my gosh, I think I have this. Right, right. Um, I didn't know. I didn't realize it in myself Mm -hmm. that I had all of those checkbox symptoms. You know, I was having depression having the anxiety later, I would come to learn with my own, you know, researching that I had some OCD as well. And so that day, you know, she, I got started on medication for depression and, and anxiety and, and I felt a sense of relief. And I remember seeing the diagnosis in, you know, on the paper and in the chart mm-hmm. put part of postpartum depression and that it just clicked for me. I was like, Oh, like I felt a sense of relief because it had a name. And so I right. had a diagnosis. And so right. I'm like, That's what's wrong with me? I'm not going crazy.
0: Right, right. (laughs) That's quite Uh, a relief. It Um, was. Yeah. I wonder too, if like how you were saying what you had heard about postpartum depression was this other thing, and you knew that you didn't really feel that way, what it was like to then hear or realize that you were experiencing postpartum depression. Like, yes, the relief, but like based on what you had heard before, did did that um, shade any of that relief?
1: it was just, I think, kind of confusing and muddled for me because I didn't Mm -hmm. know I'd never really had depression or anxiety. And Mm -hmm. so seeing that diagnosis and going, okay, well, but this isn't what I've typically heard. So what does it entail? So that just kind of prompted me to do a lot of research on my Mm own. And and I came across the websites and in the Instagram pages and stuff and I started looking into it myself and going mm-hmm. okay well I didn't realize that all of this was part of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety and so you know once I started looking into it and the specifics of it it made a lot more sense to me yeah and working you know with mostly males I didn't screen for postpartum depression I hadn't mm-hmm. heard of that really much in my professional life and then no one really talked to me about it before or well during pregnancy or or anything after other than suicidal thoughts thoughts of harming your child Mm -hmm. so those weren't on my list and so i had kind of pushed it to the back of my mind but once i got diagnosed i started researching and noticed you know realizing hey this is a real thing and how common it is yeah and realizing that okay this has happened to me Mm -hmm. and for a long time i felt like less than as a mother, right? Because I'm like, well, I'm not a normal mom because I have this postpartum issue, this Mm -hmm. anxiety. And it took me a long time to just figure out. Actually, it took me meeting a lot of other moms that
0: dealt with the same thing. Oh, okay. And those moms were talking about it and sharing?
1: And so the only, actually, the only way I reached out is we have a local area mom group. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with mental health. It's just all things mom. And I think I had reached out there just asking, hey, has anyone struggled with postpartum depression? And I had one person reach out to me and message me. And she said, hey, I'm a a mental health advocate. I, you know, I suffered with this with my son and I'm Mm -hmm. here to talk. And so really this one person reaching out and telling me like, hey, this is a real thing. I suffered from it. I help other moms with it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I got connected with other moms. And so, you know, having to reach out on my own and find that person And then after that, you know, I just started talking to other people about it. I would bring Mm -hmm. up this when I had friends that were having children, I would ask them. And that's what I realized is that people weren't asking me. Mm -hmm. Nobody asks you how you're doing after the baby as far as your mental health. And so it all started to make sense. But, you know, it took months and months for me to figure this out. So I think I went. 10 or 12 weeks before I started medication, probably, you know, around the same time before I met someone, a little longer before I met someone that had dealt with it personally and who mm-hmm. was like, hey, I'm here. And so, you know, I felt really alone at first because it was just me and my diagnosis. Yeah. Right. I had one, you know, a supportive friend and I didn't really tell anybody either. I wasn't talking to my family or my husband or a lot of my friends about it because I was almost shameful or mm-hmm. embarrassed want to. Uh, Like they didn't know at all? No. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just had one really close friend and a coworker that I would kind of share with and they were supportive and they would be there for me, but a lot of people didn't know. And I didn't talk about it. And because for a long time, I just thought, well, something's wrong with me. These other people, they have it so easy and their babies are easy and mine's really hard and they seem happy and their marriage isn't being affected and mine is falling apart. You know, all these areas of my life that I felt inadequate. And so I didn't want to admit that, or I didn't want to really talk about it. So, you know, keeping my circle very small of trying to figure out what was going on and who I could talk to. And so from there, once I finally met someone and once I got on medication and started to get a little more clear headed, once my daughter's call it cleared up a little bit, I remember her at, you know, Between five and six months is being like when I really got to start enjoying motherhood. I remember feeling happy then and enjoying it. And I felt like prior to that, you know, that my depression was kind of stealing all of the, that, those joyful moments because the yeah. depression anxiety took over. So I would say around five or six months is when things started to change a little bit. My medication had kicked in and my daughter's colic was getting better. And so I remember feeling, being able to enjoy motherhood a little bit more, you know, she was giggling, she was reaching for her toes, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And I remember Just being happy, happier at that moment. I would say the crying spells got better, you know, with that depression that I was going through of of just having no energy and feeling down and crying all the time. It kind of got better. But then I I was still having a lot of anxious thoughts, a lot of anxiety, a lot of Mm -hmm. I guess overly attachment to my baby. And I still had a lot of those intrusive thoughts that people don't talk about as well. Right. Right. Those are really tough. That is tough. (laughs) And I want to say... I don't even remember when I started therapy, mm-hmm. but uh, I decided I needed to start therapy. I, you know, I had kind of gotten back and forth with a couple of doctors on medications and finally like
0: trying different medications.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we uh-huh. worked for a while, a few uh-huh. months or a year, and then, you know, I would switch it up and, and she was probably maybe a year. And my primary care at that time was like, you know, I really think you need to be referred to a psychiatrist. I think they need to. Manage the medications and really figure that out because that's their specialty. And being in the mental health field, it should have been fine. But I kind of had another freak out moment of, yeah. no, I don't need to see a, a psychiatrist. I, right, I'm not crazy. I, I don't need that. And I, I had a breakdown with my friend who works in mental health. And she says, mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. And it was the best decision because he really understood what I, my symptoms with the current and the issues with the current medications. And when you're nursing, you know, there's limited options as well. So, Mm -hmm. and then from there, he was like, you know, I really think that you should get into therapy as well. And that was really, really life-changing for the anxiety. Oh, good. Those intrusive thoughts and just that excessive worry and that those things that go on in your mind that you can't tell other people that you can't stop. Yeah, um, therapy is such a good way, a healthy way to to get that out and try to decipher what's reality and what's what's your anxiety, what's your depression that's lying to mm-hmm. you, and what are some some ways to to change your way of thinking and you know combat those negative thoughts. And that's hard to do even if you work in the mental health profession. It's hard yeah. to do on your own. Yep. You can't you can't do therapy for yourself. So uh-huh. Having that outsider perspective, having, she was a mom, she was a younger therapist with young children. She was a mom trained in her therapy. You know, it just really helped me connect with her. And um, she had great ideas that I would have never even thought of. Though something even as simple as I was on my depression medication, the baby was sleeping mostly through the night or a year. And she was like, I said, I'm still just so tired. I'm so fatigued. And she said, are you sleeping? I said, well, yeah. The baby wakes up to nurse, you know, a couple of times, but she said, Well, do you wake up other times throughout the night? And I said, Actually, I do because I have her monitor turned all the way up. It's right Mm -hmm. next to my bed. Anytime she makes a little noise, anytime she rolls over, anytime she does anything, I'm wide awake. Yep. And so she said, How many times are you waking up a night? And three or four. And I said, I don't know, probably 10 or 12. Yeah. That's why you're so tired because you're not really getting full sleep. You're not sleeping mm-hmm. throughout the night. And that was mm-hmm. part of my, I, you right. I'm like, she's in the other room. I need to be able to hear. And just something as simple as her saying, you know, let's try turning down the baby monitor to very, very low. She said, is, you know, is your baby close enough in the house where if she wakes up and actually cries? You can hear her. And I said, oh mm-hmm. yeah, we Small house at the time, said, I can hear her clear across the house if she wakes up. She said, Okay, so let's turn the monitor down and see how that works. And just that suggestion, it was a simple suggestion that she came up with, but it helped me (laughs) because I "I can actually sleep
0: now. That's awesome. It's a game changer, too. Uh, Yes.
1: And that was. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a journey of just finding different techniques Mm -hmm. and, you know, the therapy helped, the medication helped, and Mm -hmm. then finding my group of moms. What I from my one friend I met online, she had a Facebook group and she was like, Hey, come visit our little postpartum Facebook group. And so I did got, you know, met a few other moms from there. And that really kind of started my brain thinking like, why do we not have anything? Why are there no services for moms? Why is there not support groups or, you know, anything available like this if people aren't talking about it? And so I decided I was just going to come up with a support group. I thought, there you go. I know it's needed. I'm a yep. licensed social worker. Like I know how to do groups, psychoeducational groups, support groups, peer groups, any of that. And so I started up one and that's been going since 2017, I believe. Oh, nice. So, yep. Yep. That's great. Yeah. So just the, um, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the intrusive thoughts, all of these mm-hmm. things that, that nobody talks about. I I started talking about that with people and I started asking questions and asking moms and figuring out how they were doing. Because that's what I needed, and so I wanted to provide right. what I didn't have before. Absolutely,
0: yeah. That's so. Like as a facilitator of a group, were you? Did you feel like that was helpful in hearing other people's stories too, just to yeah. more realize even more deeply your own experience?
1: Sure, and and you know what I realized is that everybody coming through those doors, first off, getting to tell your story and having someone validate
0: that it was your story
1: and it yes, it's been hard right. is healing. You know, it's therapeutic just to sit down with a group of people mm-hmm. who have been there and who understand and they 100%. Yep. You can tell them your story and go, this is what I experienced. And they go, gosh, you know, that sounds like it's been really hard. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you made it through. And that is just that just means a
0: lot. It does. And it's it's like a relatively simple thing, but it's massive in terms of like how much we need that when mm-hmm. we're going through something like this. I and mean, I resonate with your story in a lot of ways i had a, kind of a, a similar trajectory and that like hearing and seeing that it's a real thing is, and that other people validate your experience. It's amazing how healing that is.
1: It is. It just knowing that you're not alone is, is so mm-hmm. big in this thing mm-hmm. called motherhood. So other people that I felt like I was less than, or I, something was mm-hmm. wrong with, Mm-hmm. your, I was broken because I had this issue, but I wasn't. And it's so common. And there's so many other moms that struggle with the same, yeah. the same. And so it made me feel normal, made me feel heard and mm-hmm. seen. And we did that for each other. And it is just really
0: powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You definitely need that for healing. And I think for a lot of people, like, you know, sharing in a group setting or being in that it's vulnerable, you feel vulnerable sharing this, you're not quite sure how people are going to hear it or experience you or all the things that, you know, that I think the shame part that you were talking about that you had felt earlier um, when you were talking about, uh, like not wanting to tell people, it really takes a while to kind of come out of your shell and see if there's a safe space.
1: It does. I mean, you're afraid of judgment and you're mm-hmm. afraid of, you know, of a feeling like a failure. There's just a lot of you know, a lot of moms are afraid they're going to take my baby away. If I tell them these mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts that I'm having, there's a lot of reasons, you know, that people don't share or They're You do feel very vulnerable. And when you feel like you're one of the only ones, it's scary. It's a scary place to be in.
0: For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the the more and you were saying earlier, that like worry that people would see you as a, or you'd see yourself as a bad mom or one of those moms who, whatever that the stereotype is of, Postpartum depression and mothers—that worry is is a real worry because some people don't understand it. A lot of people don't understand it, like they don't know how to deal with it. I guess you were saying before, like even your within your family, there was a certain perception of what postpartum depression is. You don't want your family thinking those things about you,
1: right? And even with a spouse, it's hard because he, you know, he had no idea what was going on with me, Right. right didn't either for a while, but it was still, it's, was, there was just a huge disconnect of trying to have him understand what my struggle was and what's going on. And, you know, for people, some people to even believe that there is a such thing as postpartum depression.
0: Right. Right. Ooh. Did you come across that people who just totally denied it? Well, I think people were just more of, if this is normal,
1: it'll pass. Let's you mm-hmm. blue temporary, it's fine. Which I could understand in the early stages. But mine, you know, it, it took a good two years to really get back to a healthy mental place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a lot of <laughs> help from therapist and my doctor, my social group, all of that. And it took a real toll on my marriage too. I think mm-hmm. my husband he didn't have a clue what to do. One other symptom I had: my depression or anxiety. They both, you know, can manifest as anger. And I, a lot of times, was an angry person and very on edge. And that is the opposite of the, my personality, right? And so, trying to figure that out as well. Why am I so angry or short tempered? Or had those issues before? And then you think that makes you a bad mom because you're frustrated?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely that's one of the harder ones for like people to understand and to know that how to understand your experience of it is really difficult for others and like you are also having a hard time understanding your experience like there are ways in which it like you're saying it's not like you and it doesn't make sense necessarily that you who are not an angry person are all of a sudden feeling that for you did it get to a point of like that really intense ragey feeling
1: it did It did. And that was kind of in the middle of a medication transition for me. And it was a very, very scary event that just was like, whoa, okay, this is not me. And I remember being a little bit on edge sometimes being like, why am I getting frustrated or angry with my baby who doesn't know any better? But also I say one of my biggest triggers was my husband. And for months, you know, I thought it's just him. He's the problem and we had a big blow up one night when i was in kind of a medication transition and i just exploded at him in like i've never done before and i mm-hmm. could have sworn that if i had a knife in my hand i almost would have stabbed him and it was just very out of character and i thought my gosh i have never been like that upset or felt rage mm-hmm. and i don't even remember what it was about but you know i just felt that loss of control of my emotions and i remember just feeling like okay this is very scary i've never felt this way before i don't know what's mm-hmm. going the medication I was on at the time was it didn't work out to be very well, but that was mm-hmm. that was actually when I transitioned to see the psychiatrist because the primary oh. care was like okay this was a big thing for you saying hey this is my red flag this medication's not working I'm this making my rage worse my right. anger it went from irritability you know and short tempered to just almost ragey and that was just not me and so yeah that was my big clue of I need to change medications and get that under control
0: yeah yeah that is scary. I mean, having that really intense feeling, it's hard to know what to do with it too. Because it's—I'm as I have experienced it also, and what I hear from a lot of people is it's like a whole body thing. It's not just like you have a thought or something, your whole body's just like vibrating.
1: Yes. And I do remember having those a couple of times and just feeling, like I said, where I was out of uh, lost control of my emotions and it was anger. It was rage. It was panic attack. It was just, I remember driving, feeling like that one time. And I thought, okay, I shouldn't be driving like this because it's very dangerous mm-hmm. to be in this state of mind. I was, it was scary. It's very mm-hmm. scary. And that's the mm-hmm. kind of things you don't want to tell people about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard to talk about. And you know, like when you're having that really intense anger feeling with these kind of intrusive thoughts coming along with it, like obviously you would never hurt your husband. And that is but the feeling is as if you could. It's it's hard in the moment to like reconcile that. Because then afterwards, after like that anger comes down, well like the shame spiral usually comes after.
1: Exactly. Because I felt so embarrassed. Like that is not me. I'm so sorry that I let my emotions get like that. And I felt out of control. And I'm so sorry that yeah, it just wasn't me. And then you do feel shameful and you feel, you know, embarrassed by that. And of course, you don't want to tell anybody. And
3: Yeah. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely gonna find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
4: Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple to digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because, let's face it – And
1: I remember telling, going to the psychiatrist for the first time and just crying and telling him like, this is how I've been feeling. This is not me. I've got to do something about it. Right. And he knew what to do right away, thankfully. So
0: that's great. That's that's so good. That's so good. So you have this uh, like really deep and painful internal experience and it's having these like, repercussions in your marriage, but at the same time you have the support of other people uh, who maybe, maybe- understand it, maybe don't, like fully, like, you know, why why it's happening and all that. And it can feel, I imagine, or it could have felt really difficult to have a safe place somewhere else and to not, like, feel that at home. Not like it was unsafe, but just that, like, the intense feeling towards your husband.
1: Yeah. And I just thought, you know, he was the issue. He was my trigger. Mm-hmm. And it really took probably a good two years to where when I finally got st- you know, very stable and just very healthy. And and I could look back, I was like, wow, I think I was a lot of the issue, a lot Mm -hmm. of the issue, me and my internal struggle. and, And I feel bad for those two years of thinking that my husband was the problem, but he, it was hard on us. And that was another thing that, was felt shameful, you know, mm-hmm. like babies and their marriages are flourishing and they're all in fantasy land over their new baby. And we're over here in our house, all of us just trying to breathe like it's, it's in this environment that we're in right now with the, you know, yeah. a colleague, baby and unstable wife and a, a husband who's clueless mm-hmm. about what mm-hmm. to do for either of us. It was just a really, really hard. It was a hard season for all of us. It really Absolutely.
0: Was. Absolutely. So and you, you were kind of also alluded to like feeling and seeing that other people are having like are flourishing and not having any difficulties at all. Uh so I, I assume that was outside of the group of women that you found to be close with. Where were you seeing all of this flourishing life?
1: So it's mostly just what you see online. I've Facebook and Instagram and seeing all of these people that have their babies and they seem happy and their family seems happy and they seem to have it all together, which was, you know, when you struggle, then you feel like even more of a failure or a disappointment. Mm -hmm. You feel, Why does everybody have their life together? And why does it look so easy from the outside? And some people like me are over here struggling. It's so hard. I
0: don't know about you, but you know, when you're already feeling this like you know internal difficulty and then you're going online you're either like most often at home maybe sometimes at work or whatever but you're in the environment where you feel the like the most tense and most uh, difficulty while you're looking online at people who are like seemingly having the time of their life
1: sure That is really hard to, again, it makes you feel more like you're the only one in the whole world that is struggling with this. And why are you failing when everyone else is, seems to be having a great time. People do not post or comment or share things that are scary or difficult. Mm -hmm. People don't talk about it near enough. And so what you read, you know, is, is usually positive and nobody's sharing these things, even though it's so, so common. And it took me a long time to figure out exactly how common it is mm-hmm. to people with part of mood disorder.
0: Right, it's, it's sort of shocking how common it is in contrast with how little support people get and how little people really know about it. I think in part to like, you know, what you're describing as your experiences is so internal for, for some time and you have to get sort of the right providers or right friends or somebody who knows something about it to support you in the right direction.
1: Right. And, and yeah, and I even think just for months and months, it was still just, you know, a very small circle of people that knew about it. Mm -hmm. And then I slowly met other moms who were dealing with it and got to relate to them. And that was so healing, you know, for me and for them to realize Mm -hmm. that this is common, we're all struggling. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of us that have the same experience. And that talking about it helps, you know, it helps everybody feel normal. It helps us to realize that we're still good moms and Mm -hmm. we love just as much as someone who doesn't have a postpartum mood disorder. Absolutely. Um, Our experience is different, but still, we're still worthy. And we're still just as good of moms. So that was that was kind of a hard concept to get through. But then I love helping other people realize that, you know, that Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with you. And
0: it's okay to have
1: this. And it's very common. And, you know, you're still doing a great job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Like, I couldn't agree with you more and you know when you're in it that doesn't feel true but like you said before when you look back on it you can see all the ways in which you were were a good mom you can see all the ways in which you struggled too but in the moment it's really hard to feel that you're still a good mom yeah so i i mean i love your message to parents and i hear how passionate you are about making sure they they understand that and so you're doing that you're doing that within your community Um, Can you say a little bit uh, about, you know, that group? And I know it's been going for a bit, but.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I just had the idea that, hey, I want to start something in person. Mm -hmm. And I actually reached out to another friend who was also a social worker in the community. And she had a a child shortly after me. And we got to talking and figured out that we had both had the same struggle. Mm -hmm. And I know I really want to do something. I want to provide something in the community. So her and I kind of teamed up. With our resources, we found a facility and we just put it together. And I had told her, I don't care if I have to do it out of my house. Like I'm going (laughs) to have a group where women can come and we can talk about this. But we Mm -hmm. found a place that let us use their facility for free for years, which is so nice. And we just kind of put the word out there on our Facebook pages and in our mom groups, you know, for the local community. And so it ended up being, you know, four of us that were two clinical social workers and two that were mental health advocates and moms with similar experiences. And we formed this in-person group and we do it every month. And for the okay. first, few months, it was just my friend and I, which was still beneficial because we would come and talk and yep. share with each other. But once we started getting participants, it was just, you know, it was great. And mm-hmm. it goes through phases because we get moms that have new babies and yep. then the babies get older. And mm-hmm. so, you know, every few months or every year or so, then we get a new group of moms And it's just so fulfilling to just be that person in that moment to say, you know, welcome, we're here for you. And we try to just get word of mouth really through, you know, social media. And then we've got um, contacts at like the pediatrician's office and the Mm -hmm. OBN's office that will hang up our group flyers. And so we have people that come in and say, well, I, I saw your group flyer at my pediatrician's office. And so, decided to come check it out. And so we've had lots of moms in and out over the years. And it's been great. It's been really, really great just getting to share that with moms and help them mm-hmm. through that. And I get to snuggle babies. And so that's <laughs> one of my favorite parts of it. For sure. <laughs> so we started that and it's been going strong. Like I said, I think twenty seventeen is when we started it. Because yeah. daughter was not quite two yet. She was still still mm-hmm. pretty young. and so we started that. And you know some months we'll have one person show up and some mm-hmm. months we'll have you know, ten people show up, and so we just provided that safe space. We, given my background in social work, you know, sometimes we're just doing mom to mom talk. Let's talk about life. How's it going? Who's teething? Who's dealing with in law issues? You <laughs> know, housework right. for that. But sometimes it's you know educational, and so I will pick a group topic. Anything from how to manage your anxiety, coping tools, setting boundaries with families, how them can affect your marriage. You know, dealing with depression and recognizing signs of that, giving resources for therapists or medication providers in the community—just information and knowledge and experience really is is what it's all about—and just bringing moms together. And so that has been a really joyful thing in my life for the last few years.
0: That's great. Thanks
1: a lot, others.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sure you have, and it is such a valuable resource, especially in the community where people feel it's close to them. They can come in person. They can bring their babies and of this That's a benefit to you too. <laughs> the, baby <Yes>. snuggles, <laughs> the baby snuggles. The baby
1: snuggles. We we bring snacks. We always have chocolate. Yeah. We say kids and babies are welcome, and so mm-hmm. there's no you know barriers. If you need to bring your baby, if you need to nurse your baby during mm-hmm. group, if you need to bring your toddler and have them run around. And let me hold your baby and you just take a break. Word of environment. It's just, it is good to meet other moms and to hug someone and, you know, Mm -hmm. just say for you. And so it's been really positive and we've helped a lot of moms. I just love it.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Rosalinda, for coming on and sharing your story. And as I said before, I can relate to some of the experience that you had. And I know that a lot of other people will and find healing in that as well. So thank you so much. Great. That's my hope. So thank you. Thank you again, Rosalinda, for sharing your story. As you all know who have been listening to this podcast, we are dealing with a lot of similar symptoms and uh, maybe similar diagnoses and life circumstances across. You know, all of the stories we've been hearing, some of the people who are coming on to share their stories are sharing a similar message, wanting you to know that you're not alone. Please share this as far and as wide as possible so that all new parents out there can understand what they're going through and feel heard and seen. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com.
3: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together, we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom.